What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Sherman Webb Middlebrooks, the lifelong Buffalo resident and full-time black man. And as usual, I'm joined with my player partner over here. Welcome back, Antoine Johnson, uh, Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative Program Manager, and we're glad that you're back here with us. We got some good conversation. But first, how you feeling today, sure? Oh, man, um, feeling good. Uh, and I don't really like saying good. When I'm doing check-ins, especially with young people, that's a word that I don't let people like get away with. Okay. It's like a, a basic generic word. But um, man, I would definitely say good is the foundation. Um, I'm super grateful. I'm in the space of a lot of gratitude. Okay. I went through like a, a a nice a nice valley, and now I'm just climbing my next mountain. Um, so that's the way I like to look at it. I got to the top of one mountain, some things happened, put me in a valley, and now I'm hiking up the next hill. I feel like a lot of life is like that sometimes, right? Yeah. I feel like that now with, <laughs> with, with my my experience of parenting and it just work balance family. All, like it's just a it's, it's it has those those ebbs and flows, those valleys and peaks, right. all that stuff. You know, I think as a man that it is increasingly, and a black man <laughs> increasingly. Right. Um, more difficult to be able to talk about the challenges associated with that. Um, and here I'm getting to get into some deep stuff already. <laughs> but I, I, I think that a lot of times that um, the perception is we should be able to shoulder or just deal with mm -hmm. the things that are presented to us without complaining or right. talking about them. Right. And then I think you, you, you made a good point. You said like, you don't like just using the word good. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think a lot of times we just say, Oh, I'm good. If people, people ask us how we do, especially men, I'm good. Yeah. We could be messed up or just whatever, but that's what we say because that's what we have been socialized right. to, to say. Right. That's why I caught myself after I said it. I was like, oh, mm, nah, if you was doing a circle with some young people, you wouldn't allow that to fly. Yeah. So like, that's why I had to act. Um, I'm in the spirit of gratitude on top of that, too, because I'm like, yeah. mm, good, this ain't it. But you're, you're reminding me of a conversation that I had um, with a good friend of mine, Brother Charles Clark, um, who also does media content. Shout out to Brother Magazine. Um, so we were at dinner yesterday, and we were having this conversation about can men be vulnerable with other men? Mm. And we kind of arrived at a place where it's like, yeah, not off the rip, though. Yeah. So, like, if I'm just yeah. casually asking you how you doing yeah. or what's up with you, like, I'm not about to just, like, open up right then and there and be as right. vulnerable. But, right. like, but like I explained to Brother Charles, like, we doing that right now. Like, we having a dialogue and exchange, but, like, it's a relationship. Like, I've known this brother for years, so, yeah. like, I can trust him. He can trust me. Right. And so I think, like, once you establish that relationship, um, then you could be vulnerable. Yep. But I think once you get to a certain age, it's difficult for men to make new friends yeah. and, and to be able to establish and make those connections. And yeah. especially if, like, so one of my best friends from college came over here. He's a military kid, came over here from um, from Germany. Yeah. And I would just take him back to the block. And I'm like, man, I don't even remember when I met. Dude, that's just been my friend forever. He's like, bro, I wish I had that. Uh, like, I, can't, I can't say I had friends since four or five years old since the sandbox or yeah. we're in our 30s and saying that I had friends for like 20 years because yeah. he had to move around a lot. So I think 
I've been privileged and kind of maybe taken that for granted that I have had so many like meaningful relationships with other men in the community. That's my peers or older or younger mm-hmm. where I'm safe enough and feel okay being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's not the experience of most men. No, I don't think it is. So statistically as men get older, they have less friends. That That's what studies show. Mm-hmm. And like just in, intuitively, like after I read that, I'm like, I can kind of relate to that because like just going through school, it's like you had your little, your buddies, your boys, whatever. And then it's like, as I started like getting older, got married, got kids. I was like, there's fewer and few people that like either like want to hang out with, or I just don't have time, (laughs) you know? Um, And so it, I think as men, we have to be um, really intentional about uh, creating um, spaces or inviting people into our lives yeah. to be vulnerable with. We can be vulnerable with them, allowing them to be vulnerable with us um, so that we don't feel like we're on an island by ourselves. Because yeah. I think that's a lot of times why we struggle with like depression Absolutely. or, you know, just feeling like we're doing life alone, even if we have family. Because then there are some men that, that cannot be vulnerable with the women in their lives. And that creates a whole different um, challenge or dynamic. Um, that this this is kind of a good segue into something I want to talk about today around mothers raising boys. Yeah, you know, I think you and I might have talked about that in episodes past in terms of like our mothers, how how they brought us up and stuff like that. But we didn't necessarily talk about like just in a general sense, like mothers raising up boys. I know that uh, sometimes we. I have like people at my church in the past, like, yo, I want you to mentor my son or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Cause their dad is not in their life or whatever. And I'm just, usually I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I'm open to that. Especially before I got married. Cause I had time, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, right. you know, now it's, I'm real selective with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, single moms that are out there, whether they're married or single, how can they begin to, help raise up like emotionally healthy boys to launch them off in the world um, in a way that they feel like confident in the, in a way that they're going to live their lives. Mm. So uh, I wouldn't say I struggle with that. I would say like I pontificate on this matter quite often. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so some of the things that like, I, I think I've settled on is that, both, because I look at it from both sides. Mm-hmm. So, like, anything that, like, I would kind of, like, ask a mother to do or a single mother, mm-hmm. like, I would ask, like, a single father to do. Mm-hmm. But, like, also, I think it's a difference between being, like, a single parent yeah. and having no support yeah. or just being a single person with a child. So, like, if your child goes with the other parent 50 to 30% of the time, and, like, you have freedom to, like, bust moves, grow in your career, maintain personal friendships and relationships, mm-hmm. and you got another person you can count on, like, a co-parenting partner, yeah. then, like, you ain't really a single parent, like, because it's not all on you. And yeah. I and I think that goes both ways because there are some single dads that's out there and, and yeah. mom's not in the picture. Yeah. Um, but I think in either case, it starts with having, like, uh, a level of respect for the other person and understanding that, like, they're not better. They're not less than. It's about balance. 
and each and each parent provides some degree of value. So like mom has different values to offer than dad. Yeah. Dad has different values to offer than mom. Yeah. And if dad is like, no, listen to your mom, she can offer you a perspective and a view and an energy that I can't. Right. Like, and I appreciate and value her for doing that. And mom is able to say, listen, your dad can offer you a perspective on from a man that like I can never give you. Yeah. So I think it starts with having like a respect and appreciation for what the other parent and partner is able to contribute. And then I seen um, this post on Facebook and it, it meant a lot. And it registered with me. It was like, um, it was at like a football field. Mm -hmm. And the sign said like, when you bring your kids here, like let your kids be coached. So, like, a lot of times parents try to make the path for their kid as easy as possible. They like to make excuses for their kid. Yeah. Um, and especially we see that a lot in sports and in school. Yeah. And it's like you send your kid to school, they get in trouble. Like, and instead of, like, rectifying the situation or changing the behavior with your child, you want to be in the upper with school and with the teacher when, like, you can fix some of these issues at home. Yeah. I send my kid to your athletic team or program or whatever, and they're misbehaving. Like, now you want to – or they're not getting as much shine or burn. Now you want to get mad at the coach yeah. instead of thinking, like, well, what can you be doing at home to, like, help improve your child's performance or behavior, whatever the case right. may be. So I think, like, allowing other people to, like, coach and have influence on your kids yeah. and, and not have, like, too much of an ego – yeah. Um, where, like, you can't allow somebody else's uh, opinions or values to be shared, but you got to have enough people around you who you respect and appreciate in order to allow them to influence your child. So let's talk about that for a minute. And and the, and, and let's also speak directly to, like, the single moms that you described that may not have another parent to lean on. Right. Because I was I was in that situation at one point as a, as a child. But, but before I talk about that, you you mentioned something around like allowing your your child to be coached mm -hmm. or taught, and I think innately for mothers, like because you know they have that mama bear syndrome, like yeah. they, more, I think more often than not, like they trying to protect their babies, right? Like mm -hmm. they they don't want nobody being too hard on them, right. or whatever. They don't want you know exactly. That's the point. Yeah, and I and I, I get that to an extent. Because, again, I was a boy, I had a mother, <laughs> and I'm a husband, and I have a wife now mm -hmm. who is, like, mama bear. <laughs> Even I do st some stuff sometimes, and she get over, get all over me, like, don't be so hard, don't X, Y, Z. And sometimes I do need to rail it in, but other times I'm like, no, like, they need to understand, like, this, I'm not playing. <laughs> That's the value that dad brings. <laughs> right, right. That's the, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so let's speak really quick to that single mom who is out there and she's like, man, like, I don't have no support. Like, I don't have the other father because he ain't doing what he's supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. What does she need to know to help her raise her son or sons up in this world um, to be able to display, like, positive, healthy masculinity? So, I, I oh, wow. Because I think what's positive masculinity to us as men, uh, it might be totally different. It's and all relative. It's right? all yeah. relative. So, like, I think she would have to evaluate what's her idea of a healthy masculine male. Yeah. And, like, start from there. Because if her idea of what a healthy male is, which... Which I don't know. Maybe maybe she made some poor choices <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and yeah. misperceived what a healthy male was, yeah. and and that's how she's in this situation. Um, 
but I think it will start with like her assessment of like what a healthy male is. But I think so. so really quick, before but, I'm, I'm gonna interrupt really quick because I think you you are hitting on something that's so important. So I think, and and what you're saying is have goals or an expectation of what you the vision you mm-hmm. have for him. And like you're saying, mm-hmm. it could look, it can and is going to look different from household to household. Right. But have an expectation of what you want him to be. Yeah, at least have a vision. Yeah. Um, and then you can find, you can see those traits and qualities around certain people. And then you can make those requests. Can you mention my son? Or I can sign my child up for your program because I see a character trait or a quality in you that I wouldn't mind you imparting into my child. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, is it's that ego thing. Um, and we all have egos, right. and I feel like sometimes um, single moms or single parents in general, but single moms like look at that as like this ill badge of honor, where it's like I got this, I don't need nobody, and like I'm, I got it. Right. I'm the mom and the dad. Yeah, I'm the mom <laughs> and the dad, and I don't yeah. need nobody. And so right. it's like, well, how do you help somebody who don't think they need help? Yes. Yeah. So like, it's that level of humility of saying like I can't do it all on my own. I'm not supposed to do it all on my own. Mm -hmm. I'm in this situation. Mm -hmm. So, like, let me just allow people that I trust to, like, first I got to learn how to trust. So, like, once I learn how to trust and allow people that I trust, respect, and admire to have access to my child and then not get in the way. Because the, the thing that, like, that, like, you mentioned is, like, sometimes, like, you need to saw a place to land, like, as a kid, as a young person, like, but as a boy, we're talking about sons in this case. Mm-hmm. You need a soft place to land because the world is going to be tough and eat you up and spit you out. Yeah. But also, because the world is tough and it's going to eat you up and spit you out, you got to have a, a firm place to, like, knock up against. So, like, you got to have balance. Yeah. So, like, that leads to, like, kids not knowing how to trust their mom, knowing, like, what to expect from their mom. Because, like, are you going to be the soft place to land for me? Yeah. Or are you going to be the firm place that, like, holds me accountable? And yes. so it's that balance. So I think just being able to, like, humble yourself and and know that it's okay to, right. like, ask for help. Right. And, and, and then sometimes as parents we overcompensate. Yeah, right? absolutely. We overcompensate and – you know, we do a bunch of different like programming and groups for for fathers, particularly. But it, whether you're a father or mother, it doesn't matter because we have some men that say I didn't get X, Y and Z as a child. And so now I try to give my kid the world. Yep. I don't care how much debt I have or what my problems are. I'm going to give them everything that I wanted. And it's like, OK, now that mm-hmm. can be traced back to like stuff that you 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 didn't have, you're trying to fill a void Absolutely. with them now. And moms could do the same thing. Like, I don't got two people in the household, so I got to be extra hard because I don't want them to, to think that life is going to be gummy bears and, and, and the Skittles. Right. 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 Um, right. And then, like, for my mother's case, my mother's case, she was really, um, with the parent, I'm going to use one of the parenting traits or terms, permissive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, she was not. Um, she she cared deeply, yeah. but she was kind of helicopter. And and after a while, when I became like a teenager, I really started to like push up against that. I'm like, I want to be my own person, right? Right. I'm a man. I didn't have my father necessarily, but I understood that like there are things that she was as a woman that I wasn't learning from her that mm-hmm. I wanted to not really understanding that that's what I was doing. Right. Um, and so I think that for mothers, whether you're single or married, like just having that understanding that like your son 
at some point going into um, manhood wants his own identity. Yeah. And that's okay. It's normal. Right? That's not, that is not a slight on you as mom. That's not, you know, doesn't mean you ain't doing your job. It just means that he wants his own identity yeah. and, and being able to like be there without hovering mm-hmm. is going to be super important right in terms of uh, of allowing him to to grow in that autonomy and even like big mistakes because we talked about some moms not wanting their their sons to like experience like the hard parts of life right. and, and now we even have i i see and hear like studies or whatever where like parents are letting their, their sons and stuff live in a house so they're like 25 30 but I'm like that's crazy to me because I would never want to do that as a as a young person. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) as a son, I wouldn't want to be that son. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I think you I think you bring up some tremendous points. Um, So so definitely, like I wouldn't want to be that son. But I think that like we do our kids no favors Mm -hmm. by like trying to make their path easy. Right. Like I've seen it. Like like in some two parent households. Like I've seen it. Like, even with, like, my little brother that, like, and he had my dad and my stepmom in the house every day since day one, still to this day. (laughs) So I've seen them, like, overcompensate because, like, my little brother never spent the night in the projects. But, like, I spent the majority of my life growing up, like, in the projects, experienced all kinds of things that, like, my little brother, like, would never know. And, like, my stepmom would always, like, try to, like, shelter my little brother. But then once he got in his 20s, like, they magically expected him to, like, know how to be independent and think for himself and bust moves. And, like, mm-hmm. now they're holding him to a standard out of nowhere that they never expected him before. And he's struggling. I'm like, little bro, I get it. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry that, like, they made your life so easy for you. They never let you struggle. Right. And now you don't know how to, like, struggle and, and find your way on your own because yeah. they made your path easy because they love you. They loved you too much. Right. We wasn't in a in this financial or mental situation when I was a little kid or they probably would have did the same thing for me out of love but like they tried to give you everything that like they didn't have time or knowledge or resources to give me as a kid so like but your path is like now that you this age and they expect this out of you like you don't have it because they didn't let you do it and so like we can overcompensate like too much like you were saying and like then our kids aren't prepared my whole thing and I preach this and even in the fatherhood program from a father's perspective just a parent perspective in general my job is to prepare my child for when i'm not here no more yeah i'm not gonna always be here right. and like i do you no favors by having you feel like you could just always rely on me to bail you out right. i gotta teach you how to like fend for yourself whether right. you're like my son or my daughter and vice versa and i think like that's the one thing that sometimes uh parents don't like to think about yeah parents don't parents don't but they don't understand that like you have to prepare your child for the yep. future so that way they can practice being an adult and make these mistakes and then you could walk them through it right. instead of just like holding their hand and just saying, You eighteen, you twenty one, now you grown, figure it out. Right. And yeah. like that's not how it works. Yeah, it's like it's a slow roll. Exactly. Right? Baby steps. Yeah. So 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 the preparing for the world is like something that Research shows that fathers do a lot more naturally mm-hmm. than moms, right? There's a lot. There's a lot of data out there that talks about how, like, very even very early on, like dads are like have this thought in the back of their mind, like you're gonna be grown, and I want you to understand how to navigate the world. Yeah. Um. Sometimes I do that 
to a fault with my three-year-old because my wife has to check me sometimes like yo you you know she's only three right (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um because go ahead no no so like not to like make it a joke but the same thing make you laugh make you cry so i had to tell this to these kids yesterday um and i say it often it's part of like my healing so like my big cousin who i love to life like he went to go start the car take his 13 year old daughter to school had a seizure and died like and if he wasn't the kind of amazing father he was to my baby cousin, that would have absolutely crushed her more than it did. But, like, to see my baby cousin Nene go through this situation and, like, the strength that this young black woman showed, I was like, wow. My cousin really did his – he really poured into her. He really was with – he had her every day, and he really, like, coached her and would talk to her like an adult and, and like, prepared her almost for this moment because yeah. she had younger siblings, she had the kids, and just, like, to see her at 13 just, like, have that, I don't know, that degree of, like, it reminded me of my grandma, but, like, that level of, like, strength and, like, you could tell she was grieving, but, like, like it's grown women, it's grown men that can't keep it together the way that you are, and she, and she cried, and she, but I could just tell that, like, she was more so at peace than maybe many other kids would be because, because my cousin poured so much into her, yeah. it's like in 13 years, she got enough of a foundation yeah. to like be able to carry her through the rest of her days. But like for me, I have, I was already always thinking that, what if I'm not here? Yeah. And so for me, that like solidified it. Like, oh yeah, like it can happen. Yeah. Like it can happen at any time. This is cool. And I can't even remember exactly, but but it's, it, speak, it speaks to exactly what you're talking about in terms of like us fathers and I'll speak from a father's perspective right now, like having to think about or being a necessity for us to think about the life that our children will lead after we're gone, Mm -hmm. right? Like that we don't necessarily just have the luxury of being able to think about, um, you know, the now or even like the near future, but we need to be able to think about like when we're no longer here. Uh, And here is a quote that I do remember that I, that I heard recently was that, uh, inheritance and inheritance is something that we give to our child, right? Like the cars, the houses, the clothes, the whatever. But it was like legacy is something that we leave in our child, mm-hmm. right? Where you talk, you just talked about like the fortitude um, that you, thir- your thirteen year old. Yeah, she was thirteen at the time, little cousin. You was close cousin. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that she that she had like during that experience, and just like the the life that folks will leave after someone is gone like that that legacy right you you hear all the time and there's studies that show that like folks who get like large inheritances like from the from one generation to another a lot of times they don't keep it they don't they don't know how to maintain it because they got the stuff without having the the inward ingredients that Mm -hmm. they needed in order to maintain what they got um, and sometimes it's more of a curse than a blessing to right. them because they got all this stuff, all this money, and they're they're amplifying the 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 um, the irresponsibilities or the immaturity um, that they that they needed or that they that they didn't need in order to um, be able to keep the stuff. So so you you get what I'm saying, yeah, but yeah, yeah it's, it's it's wild. Yeah, I think they they call that um, in more extreme cases. I think they call that affluenza. Where, like, you you have a level of affluence, and it's almost, like, to a point where, like, it's a sickness. 
So, like, your, your affluenza prevents you from really seeing reality. You have a skewed perception and orientation to the world. Like, you just always think that, like, you're supposed to get away with it. <clears throat> like, almost like, it's almost like a form of, like, narcissism in a way. Um, and, like, when, but that comes with, like, a whole lot of power and resources and yeah. not being coached on, like, a lot of responsibility and what that looks like. So, I think about, like, the stuff that's, like, given to you, yeah. you don't. Know, really value or appreciate all like that. Right. As opposed to things that like you earn on your own. And right. so like if somebody gives you an inheritance, it's like, I ain't have to work for this. Like I got it. Like they whatever they did to get it, like right. that's what they did. It's up to me to like spend it. I'ma live like a prince. I'ma live like a king. I was reading um the started reading The Richest Man in Babylon. And okay. like and the one part in there where he the dude I forgot who it was, he was like, workers for slaves. And so then he had to break it down, explain to him, like, who his grandfather was and all of that. But at the end of it, he understood that, like, nah, work is your best friend. But, like, the kid had inherited all this bread from his grandfather and just was, like, going to blow it. And he was like, I don't know how to make more of it. I don't have my grandfather's skill. And so his grandfather friend just really broke it down to him. was like, nah, you got to understand work is your best friend. That's how your grandfather got it. That's how you're going to get it. That's how you're going to keep it. And so, like, we tried to, like, shelter our kids from working. And putting in hard a hard day's work, right? And um, just even thinking about like, I don't know. Just I know we were talking about single moms, but like as a dad, when I got my daughter, um, I make her do extra work, and she's always like, "Why?" Mm-hmm. But then when like a war time come around at school, and she's getting awards and getting more awards than her friends, I always make sure I pull her to the side. I'm like, "That's why." Yeah, that's why. That's what's up. And that and that is a good book um, that you mentioned. I have I, it's been like two years since I read it, but The Richest yeah. Man in Babylon that that is a good book. Yeah, I'm just starting um, to read it. Man, we're getting to the end of part one here. This has been a good conversation. Um, in our next segment or whatever you want to call it, um, we're going to be talking about co-parenting. Yeah. With our um with our boy Isaiah Gary. So, I'll wrap us up. Yeah, so uh, this has been another edition of the Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative podcast. This is part one. Make sure y'all stay tuned uh, for part two. And make sure y'all also hit that like, share, subscribe button and all that. Follow us on the social medias, man. We're going to keep this thing going. Thank y'all for supporting us.